All right. Well, how you, uh, okay, yes, I am fasting. And I'm not doing like the hardcore water only, starving and torturing myself fast because I don't think that's biblical. Uh, but yeah, we are, to, we are to get our bodies under control. That's the main idea with the fast. But if you were fasting or you, maybe you tried to fast on Monday and Tuesday you blew it, it's okay. You can hit the restart button. Like, you don't have to wait again till next year when we do our fast. You can, you, can, you can pick it up again. And, you know, sometimes it's just like, you know what? I don't care what Pastor Josh said on Sunday. I'm going to eat this donut. And so that might be the attitude of your heart. And you know what? That's okay because you can change that today. So you can say, you know what? All right, I'm going to give it another shot. And so, like, okay, yeah, there is like that, I don't know. You and Janie can get together. There's that rebellious spirit. And uh, so, No. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But you know what else is, okay, I had, a, I had, I, I'm doing pretty good. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no sugar, no white flour, no junk food, no fast food. And so I'm doing really good. But even I blew it this week. And it happened in the, the, the unexpected. It happened like in the muscle membrane. So I went to go get my kid from daycare. And um, if you try, if you pick your kid up from daycare and like they don't have anything ready, like they're just not ready to go, like. Their crafts are all over the place, and you don't know where their jacket is, and their backpack's torn open with everything out of it. And so we got to go. We got to go. Come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get your stuff. And so I got, I got her backpack. I got her homework folder. I got random papers. I got her snack, and I'm trying to get my kid to get into the car where you know, I'm dragging her, I and mean, she's not focused. You know? You feel my pain? And uh, you know, I, as I'm like almost to the car, I realize I have a cookie in my mouth. How'd this cookie get in my mouth? For real. And you heard me joking about it last night about that, about Skittles, but it happened. It's because I had all this stuff and I wasn't thinking and I'm trying to, I'm moving fast. Last thing you know, you blow it and you got a cookie in your mouth. I'm like, oh, get this out of here. So don't feel bad if you blew it. Just, that's why God is so cool. You can start over no matter where you're at. So don't beat yourself up, all right? Let's just get back on the horse. So start again. God's got a grace. All right, so we've got, uh, we've got six major principles for lasting change. Because usually when you go into a fast, you're like all gung-ho. And then like, I don't know, day two, you're like, this was a dumb idea. Um, and especially like when the, the sugar headaches start kicking in, right? And you start having like withdrawals. Like jack-in-the-box withdraws, you, you know, it's like, oh, this is a bad idea. Why did I, why did I sign up for this? And so um, we're going to look at six principles for lasting change. Because we have, we have, everybody wants to improve upon themselves. Everybody wants to get better, right? If you don't want to get better, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're not healthy. So I need to do some prayer for you. But... May, everybody wants to get better. Everybody wants to improve themselves. That's why we have a whole industry on, uh, on products that are going to improve your life. Pills that you can take, gadgets that you can buy that are going to make life extremely easy, and, and they don't. Um, but we're going to talk about lasting change, like victory in the long haul. And how do we do that? We're going to be looking at six principles, hopefully. And so uh, principle number one. Sorry. Get myself situated. There we go. Principle number one is we have to dedicate our bodies to God. So there's got to be a, 
There's got to be a dedication. There's got to be like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to see it through to the end. And I'm going to, okay, I'm going to see my body through to the end. Because what the Bible tells us about the body is that the body is key to any transformation or anything that you need to overcome in your life. Your body plays a very important part. And I know what you're thinking. Josh, I thought you said last week that, that you know, change comes from within. It is a, it's an inside job. That's true. But the long haul requires your body to get on board. The long, I mean, let's say the issue is financial. Do you know that your body has to be represented in that? You know, maybe, maybe diet is not your problem. Maybe your money is your problem. Well, your, your body is involved in that process too. So it, it's, it, let's read the scripture and I'll... I'll flesh it out a little bit more. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verse by verse this morning. And this is what Paul says. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, this is your spiritual act of what? Worship. Interesting. The spiritual act of is done with our bodies. Now, if I was writing this, I would say, offer your spirits to the Lord. It doesn't say that. It says your bodies. Or I would say, offer your soul, offer your emotions, offer your money as a, as a sacrifice to the Lord. It's your bodies that need to be offered. So what, what does that look like? Last week, we looked at the idea that, that God used to live in a tent out in the desert when he was hanging out with Moses. Uh, in David's mind, he fashioned a temple, Solomon built it, God lived there. But then we have the new covenant, the new relationship with Jesus where your bodies are the temple. Granite Creek, this box, it's a great place. I believe it's special. I believe it's hollowed ground, I really do. We've been here way too long for it not to be that special. But it's not the temple. You're the temple. And, and you bring it in. The The... the the, the level of intimacy with the Lord that we experienced in corporate worship, you brought that. You brought that into the building. You wanted it. You desired it, and God answered your prayer. But you're the temple. Remember last week I said I had something I wanted to show you? Okay, let's bring up the photo. There it is. Okay, this is our sign. And can you see it? So somebody spray-painted 666 on our sign. This happened when I was the youth pastor. And uh, then they, they vandalized a bunch of stuff. They broke stuff and spray-painted other nasty stuff. And, and you know, it's like, ah, so I, was, you know, I was angry, of course. Um, and it was like a righteous indignation that came up, even though it was probably the youth group that did it. But still, there was this, <laughs> there was this, you know, there was this contention. There was this anger that I had. And because why? Because they defiled the temple, right? But we do this all day long. What we're putting into our temples or whether how we're treating our bodies, whether it's just whether we're abusing it or drugs or, or you know, we have like food as our God or whatever it might be, we do this all the time. We defile our temples. And to probably the best describe our culture is the theologian Anthony Bourdain where he says, your body is not, 
Your body is not the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is an amusement park. And enjoy the ride. Right? And we can, we can identify that. Now, I, I enjoy food. God created my taste buds, and I'm going to use them. Right? But the, the key is, is I am not mastered by my body. I master my body. I control it. That, that's the key to the whole thing. And, and by the way, if that freaks you out that somebody vandalized our church and is like, oh my goodness, Granite Creek is under spiritual warfare. We're being attacked by the enemy. This is nothing new. It happens all the time. This is silly. This is, this is, almost, this is funny to me. This is, this is trivial. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Ever. Thank you. So that's nothing. So don't freak out about that. We beat that all day long. All day long. We beat that. No big deal. It's just, so just laugh at that. It's funny. All right. So committing our bodies to God. Change, long-lasting change, sparked in your spirit, but it's fleshed out in your bodies. And how you live your life, on what you do with your time and with your sleep and with your food. What's mastering you? Are you mastering it? And okay, here's the thing. Um, your bodies are extremely important to God. Even how you present yourself is extremely important. Um, don't raise your hands, but maybe you came in a little low today. Maybe you're a little down. But when Ryan encouraged you to raise your hands, you changed your body, physiology changed. It affects everything, really. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says uh, men ought to raise up holy hands. Why? Because he wants to empower you. Power comes through the moving of the body in that sense. Uh, we have a lot of educators in our church and, and you know what it's like when you get a kid coming through the door and he's slouching down and he's grumpy and he's looking down on the ground. Guess what? You're going to have a bad day with this kid, right? But if you could get him to change his posture, if you can get him to sit up straight and breathe in, then you might have something to work with. But if his posture is bad, it, it's going to be a losing game. You know that to be true, right, teachers? I get an amen? Yeah, you all right. It says, therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Here's the issue with, uh, with the living sacrifice is that it's living. And living things can, they can crawl off the altar. Oh, yes, Jesus, I commit my life to you. If you just save me from this situation, I'm going to spend the rest of my life serving you. We do this. Two days later, we're back to our, own, or our same habits. We've crawled, off the, we've crawled off the altar, right? And see, lasting change, and we, we, we don't quite get this. You know, we think that our problems in life are other people. Like if you're, you know, if you're married and, you think that you need to change your spouse in dating or in, in, in matrimony or you're engaged to somebody, maybe they're not quite right and your goal is to change them. 
You're going to take them to the altar and then you're going to alter them. That does not work. You cannot change them. You cannot change anybody. If you need long-lasting change in your life, guess where it starts? It starts with you. And once we, once we begin to develop this attitude of the heart where I'm going to change them, they're making me unhappy, so therefore I'm going to change them. Um, you can't. And if you, if you bend your will to the point where you're going to manipulate people, manipulate circumstances and environments to, to get what you want out of it, uh, there's a biblical word for that. It's called witchcraft. It's the same thing as, as poking needles in a voodoo doll. You can't change people. You're only responsible to change yourself. And you, you, just, you leave everybody else to the Lord. So that's the first and foremost thing that we've got to do if you're struggling with people and struggling with situations. You have to be dedicated to changing yourself. And if our bodies are temples, we are to clean them. That's the purpose of a fast, too. We are to clean our temples. Over and over again, Old Testament, New Testament, they always talk about this theme of the cleansing of the temple. Even, God was, even though God was there, like stuff creeps in through the cracks, through the front doors. Things don't leave when they're supposed to leave. Things get neglected and abandoned, and sin seeps in. And you're just not, you just don't know that it's there. Like you have a, you don't know that you got a pile of dirty clothes in your living room because it's been there for two years. You just not, you just, so you need to go into this idea. I need to cleanse my temple, and again, that's the that's the purpose of a fast. The purpose of a fast is not to suffer so God feels sorry for you so you can get His attention. The purpose of the fast is to is to is to strengthen your relationship with the Lord so that you could, that you can hear Him better, so that you can you can you can connect with Him better. You want, you want to connect with, with the Lord's heart. Uh, I was having lunch with, um, or coffee with an elder that, uh, this week. And so he asked me, he says, Josh, so now that you're on this fast, and you only blew it once with the cookie in your mouth, uh, now that you're on this fast, um, are you hearing God better? And I, and I no, I'm not. Honestly, I'm not hearing the Lord better. But you know what I do have? I, I am happier. I have more joy. It was, I didn't quite expect that to happen. I thought I, thought I was going to get some really cool downloads from the God, right? Audible voices from the Lord because I'm so holy and I'm fasting. But no, you know what I got? I got more joy in my life. And that's what I needed. Here's the interesting thing. This is because I'm, I'm journaling too. So I'm actually, I don't know why I, I wasn't thinking about this, but I was actually journaling how happy I am. And I have more joy in my life. So who knows what God has next for me because I'm fasting. What is the heart of the Lord when, when it comes to fasting? Yes, he wants, he wants to draw you in. He wants you to understand his heartbeat. There are things in your life that you're not aware of. Uh, like, you, you know what your problems are, but then you have problems that you're not aware of. Fasting helps bring those to the surface. Strongholds, like things that you've been struggling with your entire life. And what Jesus says about those strongholds, they only come out by prayer and fasting. A spiritual depth from your spirit and a tangible living it out in your flesh. And God wants to break down issues of injustice. 
in your lives and in the world. Listen to this great scripture. Because this, this gets to the heart of who God is. He says, this is Isaiah 58, verse 5. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves and you know, for me to feel sorry for them? Is it only for the bowing of one's head like a reed and for the lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? What's he saying? It's not about you feeling sorry for yourself. And then he gets into his heart. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and to unite the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor, the poor wanderers with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from them from your own flesh and blood. That's the heart of it. So if you're fasting, if you're doing this thing right, you're going to begin to develop a heart. You're going to develop God's heart for the poor, for unjust, for the unjust, for, for the principalities and the evil that is oppressing your own family. He wants to change that. You're going to develop his heart in a fast. Uh, if you're continually focused on you and how you're starving to death, you're just, you're just not doing it right. All right, so we had to clean, we had to cleanse our temple. We have to take care of our temple. We're responsible for managing our own body, our own temple, and then we are to control our temple. We are to control our body. Now, yes, we do have like this this muscle memory thing because we've we've got learned patterns in our in our lives that, that's keeping us doing the same thing over and over again, and we don't know why we do it. We don't know why we put cookies in our mouth. They just end up there. So there, there's those things that we've got to go after and we've got to fix and we've got to rewire the way that we think in our brain and our, our physiology, everything. We have to redo these things. We also have to be aware of greasy grace. That's the attitude that says, well, God's a God of grace, so I'm going to sin and I'm going to ask for forgiveness tomorrow. That's a bad attitude to have. It's like, I'm going to go and do this and have fun. Oops, God, my bad. I'm sorry. It's a little bit more complicated than, how did these Skittles get in my mouth? It's more like, how'd this hooker get in my bed? How'd this porn get on my computer? How'd all these Nordstrom bags show up in my living room? Is that too much? That was too much. My, my wife is saying, that's just too much. You just crossed the line, Josh. But you see, you see, we, we, can, we can believe our own lies. We can fake ourselves out. And uh, the, the, we have to be honest with, with our motives and why God's called us. All right, the next second principle is the principle of concentration. It's that I must, focus, I must refocus my mind. The scripture on this one, we, we, our church spends a lot of time on this scripture because it's so important and it's key. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. 
The patterns of the world, the way the world thinks. Are you thinking the way that the world thinks? Do you have its value system or do you have the Lord's value system? Don't conform any longer, it says. But be transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. And this is, uh, this is beyond just uh, the power of positive thought. This is beyond cognitive thought therapy. You need, to, you need to think happy thoughts so you'll be happy. This is a spiritual discipline. The transformed mind uh, sees the kingdom of heaven at work in you and in, in the atmosphere everywhere. But the transformed mind has God's mind. Yes, we could teach cognitive thought therapy all day long and tell you how to, how to think good thoughts and be good people and you know, break these negative cycles, the, down, you know, the, the negative talk you do about yourself. We can teach that all day long without, without Jesus, and you are going to feel better. But what he is saying is that to truly be transformed, you've got to think the way that Jesus thinks and not the way the world thinks. The world is all about positive thought therapy. But the way that Jesus thinks is kingdom. He wants us to think that way. What does that look like? Well, it takes some time. Now, why is it important to continue to uh, work on our mind and how we think and how do we approach stuff? Because... um, you know when you're thinking negative thoughts. And yes, we, I would prefer you to think about positive things and negative things. So I'm not bashing cognitive thought therapy. But there are things, there are issues, there are characteristics that you inherited from mom, Grandpa, those weird relatives that came over on the boat. You've inherited that stuff. And as the marriage course is going through, uh, it's been imprinted on you. And, it, and, and it's a problem. The anger, the rage, the, the insecurities, the cannibalism, all these things that, we, that we've inherited from, from previous cultures. I'm sorry. All these things that we've inherited, they've been imprinted on us, and we just think that they're normal. But God wants to change them. He wants to rewire the way that we think all the way down to our very core of who we are. If it's done right, it's called being born again. Hmm. You're, you're completely new. You're not a better version of yourself. You are a, you are a new creation with a transformed mind. Number three is the principle of evaluation. This is not the fun one. Is that you have to humbly assess your current situation. You have to check your soul. You have to say, all right, uh, is there anything in me that I really need to pay attention to? You have to say, Lord, um, all right, I know I've got this problem over here. I know I've got this problem over here. Let's take care of it. But if you really want to grow, if you want that lasting change, you will pray scary prayers like this. 
God, is there something in me that I don't see, and will you show it to me? Those are scary prayers, because he will begin to reveal things about you that you were not aware of. And maybe it is that stumbling block. Maybe it is that stronghold in your life that you need to take care of. Maybe it's only going to be highlighted and raised to the top through prayer and fasting. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. That's called humility. So don't think you're all that. But rather, think of yourselves. I mean, you have to, uh, you have to evaluate yourself with a sober judgment. To be honest with yourself. You've got to quit believing in your own lies and be honest with yourself in accordance to the measure of faith that God has given you. Next one, and we'll be spending more time on this point next week, but you need some cooperation. The next principle is cooperation. You have to get group support. And real quick, why? Because it's called accountability. So if you have the, if you're going to, if you're going to, have enough courage and strength to say, okay, what's wrong with me? If you're going to do some self-examination, introspection's bad. Self-evaluation's good. But when you do, you have to have people around you that say, yeah, Josh, you've got this problem in your life. That, that's hard. So the, the, the whole purpose of, of small groups and being in community, in church community, and, and developing friendships is that you need to have friends that will say, that lo- love you enough to hurt your feelings. And you have to say, look, I'm doing some self-evaluation. Is there anything that you see in me that I need to pay attention to? Is there anything broken in me? And you're not going to like what they say. Now, likewise, you get the, you get the, you get the, the I hate to use the word criticism, but you get, you know, you get people that are speaking the truth and love. Do you have people in your life that can speak the truth and love to you? I pray you do. And if you do, guess what else happens? They can encourage you as well. And actually, that's the, there needs to be more encouragement than saying, you know what, we need to take care of, you know, your gambling problems got to go. It needs to be more of an, there needs to be more encouraging than there needs to be criticism. More positive feedback. You know, the, the great thing about these small groups with, with the Daniel plan or, or even the marriage course is that, yeah, though they're going to highlight some issues, they're going to highlight some imprints that need to be taken care of, but they're also going to say, good job. Like, you, you, you did it, you made it another week. You made it another week without, you know, a big major blow up in your house without sleeping on the couch. You made it another week without, you know, without taking that drink or taking that hit. You made it another week. And that's what keeps us going. Let's practice. So I made it a whole week without eating sugar, without eating white flour, except for that time I put that cookie in my mouth. Listen, forget about that. But I made it a whole week. So make me feel better about myself. Yes. Thank you. See, I did it. You can do it too. And that's what community, that's why you need to be part of a group. We'll be talking more about that next week. You've got to have people that are encouraging you, that are rooting you on, that are honoring you no matter where you're at in your walk. You've got to have it. it you will not get that 
that lasting change. You might, you might be changing like for a short time, but if you're not a part of that group or that community, you're not going to experience that lasting change. All right, number four is um, number five. What number am I on? Five. The principle of affirmation, real quick, this is love. The most powerful force in the universe is love. Do not just pretend you love others. And you might be thinking, thank you, because I'm tired of pretending that I like this person. Right? No, no, that's not it. That's not it. I'm not talking about that level of transparency. Do not just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is evil. Sometimes you've got to confront, right? Sometimes you've got to have an intervention. Stand on the side of good. Love each other with genuine affection and taking delight in what? In honoring each other. That feel good. Doesn't it feel good to be honored? Have you shown honor to somebody this week? So we've got to celebrate these small wins. We've got to celebrate big wins with people. People need to get a yat that a boy, you know? It's, a, it's important. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. God does not give love. God is love. So let that roll around in your head. Love is stronger than death. Love is stronger than divorce. Love is stronger than addictions. Love is stronger than ailments. Love is stronger than cancer. It's strong. It's the most powerful force in the universe. We have the opportunity to tap into it. We have the opportunity to experience it. All right, and the last principle is the principle of motivation or enthusiasm. As a believer, we must nurture, strengthen, manage our enthusiasm. I don't really feel like doing that today, Josh. Look, I'm just going to read you what the Bible says. How about that? You want to see what the Bible says? I don't feel like going to church today. I'm going to drag myself in. Never, this is verse 11 and 12, never be lacking in zeal. That's enthusiasm. Like when you first got saved, you were full of enthusiasm, right? Because it felt good. You were redeemed. You experienced grace for the first time. You were taken out from a system of law. It's an amazing experience to get saved. If, if you're not saved, talk to me. I'll, we'll take care of that. But it wanes, right? Maybe it fades a little bit. That's not God's fault. That's not God's responsibility. That, that's, that's, your, that's your job. It's your job to manage your enthusiasm for the Lord. I don't want to raise my hands in church. The Bible says, raise up holy hands. You manage your enthusiasm. Uh, enthusiasm, it comes from the Greek word entheos. 
in theos. In God is the definition of enthusiasm. In God. And when Jesus was, when he was in the garden, you think he was excited about facing the cross? No. He was, he even thought about, do I have to do this? Can, can this cup pass? Is there, is there a shortcut away around this? The easy answer was no. You know, the, you have to, you have to do this. He realized that this is what I have to do. He was enthusiastic about going to the cross for you. Passion. Passion for you is what drove him to the cross. He was in God. In Theos. Never be lacking in zeal. Then Paul says, never, never, never. Three times. If you know your Bible studies, that's a big deal. Whenever something is repeated three times, it's a big stinking deal. (laughs) Never be lacking in zeal for the Lord. When you got saved, God happened to you. If you're waning in your zeal, you need to be happening to God. You need to move in. You need to press in. You need to manage your enthusiasm. You need to be in God. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. How do you do it? How do you keep your spiritual fervor? He tells us in the next sentence. You've got to be joyful in hope. Joyful in hope. Like you are in a hopeless situation, you are called to have hope, and somehow you are to muster up joy. See, positive thought therapy doesn't teach this. Uh, Pollyann does not teach this. Because there's bad things that happen in this world. Rape, murder, disease, Sickness. Uh, You should not feel good about those things. But joyful and hope. That's how we should be. Patient in affliction. Like you're facing hard times. Like you signed up. Yeah, God, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. And then affliction comes. Patient. You know what? Walk it out. Stay faithful. The next thing we've got to do is stay faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. But I don't feel like praying. I don't care. Be faithful in that. This is how we, this is how we do it. This is how long-lasting change takes place in our hearts. All right. If I gotta, what time is it? How did I do? All right. Did not, not bad. All right. All right, if I can get the band, come on up to the front. Let's pray.
God, I want to offer my, my body as a living sacrifice. Not, the, not the, the, the little spiritual things that I think that are important, but my body, God. I want to, I want to offer that. God, I pray that you would just forgive us for wrong thinking, for nurturing the wrong things, for making ourselves our own idols, for worshiping other people or other things or even ourselves instead of worshiping you. God, right now, I just pray that we will never, never, never lose our enthusiasm for you, that we will always be in God. So, God, may we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. I can have the ushers to come to the front. Father, right now, I just pray that you just bless this offering. God, the, the very works of our hands, God, I pray that you will bless what we put our hands to this week. Pray that there's been an anointing on our work, on, what, on what, how we express ourselves through our work. I pray that, they, that there would just be a blessing, God. I pray that everything that we touch will multiply. Father, right now, I, I pray that this offering will be multiplied. I pray that we will just receive more as we continue to press into your presence. We, can, we continue to seek your face. We continue to be honest with ourselves and where we're at. May they just continue to increase, God. May we be, continue to be faithful in prayer. We love you, Lord.